You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Phantomaniacs, and welcome to the final Needless Things podcast of 2013. I've got a bunch of stuff for you today. This one's going to be a little long, uh, but I'm going to try and keep my portions, uh, my my talky intro stuff, uh, pretty pretty quick, pretty brief. I've got three different segments today from the past few months that I'm just throwing together to use up my space for the end of... 2013 here in December because I haven't been able to post anything because the two things I had planned uh, for December didn't pan out. Uh, One of them was an interview that was an amazing amount of fun. I liked sitting down with the group of guys for the couple hours that we sat down. Uh, The interview itself is unlistenable. It, It was an utter unmitigated disaster. It was fun, but you guys don't want to hear it. Trust me when I say that. Uh, and if you don't trust me, send me a message at phantomtroublemaker at yahoo.com. I'll send you the raw audio and you can judge for yourself. Uh, it's a travesty. Travesty is too kind of a word for it. Uh, and then the, the other thing that was supposed to happen is an interview. I don't want to quite give it away yet, but it's a guy that I've been wanting to interview for over a year now. Uh, he was actually one of the first people I wanted to do an interview with. And uh, as a little hint, that's not going to be helpful at all. Uh, I have done a 13 questions with him on needlessthingssite.com. I want to sit down for an hour with this guy though because he's got a lot to say he's an interesting dude and i've got a lot of respect for him but you're gonna have to stay tuned to needless things in 2014 to find out just who i'm talking about uh he's a volatile guy and it's gonna be a good one we just can't get our schedules to work out uh right so what i'm doing is taking these segments putting them together wrapping them up in some phantom troublemaker razzle dazzle and some intros or whatever and throwing out a big old chunk of podcast to wrap the year up uh what i've got today is three different chunks of talky uh, the first one is an interview that i did with zach galligan of gremlins and waxwork and many many other projects but I got to do that because of Walker Stalker Con, which was an excellent time, and I'll tell you guys about that uh, in the interview to that segment. But I was very lucky to do the interview. Zach was a great guy, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it here. Uh, if you did not hear it in Earth Station Boo, which is where it originally uh, featured, but I wanted to have it on Needless Things as well because it's mine. Uh, the second thing that I've got is myself and Needless Things podcast co-host Mr. Bo Brown doing an audio review of the Masters of the Universe jet sled and uh, whatever that dude's name is that comes with the jet sled. Uh, I'll, you'll, you'll hear it during the segment. I can't remember his name now because I don't care. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Don't take that as a negative. I, I think we both liked it well enough. But this was an interesting thing that we tried out. I'm not sure how well it worked. Uh, we know our stuff, and I think we're interesting to ta- listen to. 
but uh, you guys be the judge. Let me know if you think that it's anything you'd like to hear. Again, Phantom Troublemaker at yahoo.com. Uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you think. Finally, I have something very special. It is a roundtable interview that myself and nine other members of the press, and yes, I am a member of the press. Yeah, take that. Uh, anyway, ten of us sat in a table, uh, in a roundtable interview in a room with Andrew Lincoln of The Walking Dead and interviewed the dude. Uh, we each got one question. Uh, some questions were better than others. Mine was the best. Okay, maybe mine wasn't the best, but it was. Uh, but it was really cool. It was a great time. The guy was very nice, and I feel extremely privileged to have been able to sit in on that because the dude doesn't do a, a whole lot of things. He, well, he doesn't do cons. He doesn't do a whole lot of things like that. Uh, and the only reason I haven't posted this before now is I, I felt like the other nine people, or, or at least several of the other nine people, were in much bigger media outlets than than I am, and that this interview would probably be in a whole lot of places, and that it just wasn't something I necessarily uh, was going to get a lot of traction out of. But I, I think maybe I was wrong about that. I, I think I do need to put it up, certainly because... I kind of feel bad that I didn't because I was treated so well by Walker Stalker Con and by the lady that did the media, Michelle Sisko. She was fantastic. She was very kind to me, very nice lady, and I felt very privileged to be treated as well as I was as a member of the press. So I felt bad not not ever putting that up. But at the same time, like I was in a room with people who worked for radio stations, which I'll tell you that story in the intro to the interview. It was just weird. Because I, I was, I felt like I was a, a very tiny fish in a not so sizable pond. It, it was an odd circumstance. But anyway, I'm putting the interview up now. And the important thing about it is it'll do a little promoting for Walker Stalker Con, which you can buy tickets for now for next year's cons in Chicago and Atlanta, uh, possibly other places. But I'll, I'll put up a link to the website in the show notes. But I can't recommend the con highly enough. They had great guests. Uh, I had a great time. And it, it was just a nice way to spend a couple of days. Uh, they, they really did a good job. So that was cool. Now it's time to uh, not pay the bills, but let you guys know where you can listen to the Needless Things podcast. First of all, you need to be following NeedlessThingsSite.com, which is where I, Phantom Troublemaker, review toys and movies and talk about all kinds of different nerd stuff. Uh, I call myself the Lucha Dork, uh, and, and I have a voice that is, I think, unlike any other. And the Needless Things podcast can be downloaded from iTunes and from Stitcher. And uh, just drop me a line at phantomtroublemaker at yahoo.com. You can go on to Facebook and look up L Phantasmus with a PH because they would not let me use the name Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, no vowels in the, the surname. And uh, Tumblr, I, I'm all over the place. If you find one place, you'll be able to find all of the others because I link things excessively. So uh, right now, I want to jump straight into that Zach Galligan interview. He was a super nice guy. Uh, I'm a big fan of his work and of what he brings to the movies that he's in. He has this 
just innocence about him that that is what makes his character so valuable. I mean, aside from his obvious acting skill, because I mean, I, not everybody could have pulled off Billy and Gremlins, uh, and and that's the thing is it's very fun to watch Zach Galligan react to crazy shit happening. Uh, that's what Gremlins is. That's what the Waxwork movies are. Uh, it's just he's a fun dude to watch on the screen, and he was definitely a fun dude to talk to. And here's what happened with that interview. Uh, I was scheduled for an 8 o'clock start time with him, but the thing is the dude was doing press all day long, and everybody ran over. Because he is, again, this is the same press that I was in the room with. He's talking to radio stations. He's talking to people much bigger than me, and everybody runs over a little bit. Uh, so by the time he finally is able to get to me and I, I don't you know this this isn't on him this isn't on anybody this is just how these things work uh it's 8 45 the problem it well let me start here we're recording earth station boo at nine o'clock so 8 45 he gets on and says hey man i'm so sorry uh that it's taken so long i i, I really hate that you've had to sit here waiting for me but the good news is, you're the last interview of the day. You've got me as long as you want. And I was just like, fuck! Because I could have done, you know, originally I was going to do about 15 minutes or, or half an hour as just a drop-in for Earth Station Boo. Because uh, I didn't expect to get an hour with the guy. I didn't think I'd be able to get a full Needless Things episode. But... <laughs> He very generously said, uh, you can have all the time you want. So I'm like, shit. So we start talking, and we're, we're having a good conversation, and, and we're getting along. And he is the biggest, inter uh, without a doubt, the biggest interview I've done so far. Uh, and, and it's weird, but it's fun. We have a good time. And 855 comes around, and I send the ESO guys an email saying, look, I'm I'm in the middle of something huge. You're going to have to wait, but I couldn't make them wait forever because we had, you know, five other people waiting for me to come on and do the, the Halloween podcast. So I, I did about 15 more minutes with Zach Galligan and told him I was so sorry, but I had another podcast I had to do. So I've got about half an hour with the guy. It's a great half hour, but it would have been a phenomenal hour or, or more even. Uh, he's so great to talk to, had so many interesting things to say, and I think you're really going to dig it. So here it is right now. Hey, Phantomaniacs, I've got a very special treat uh, right now. Believe it or not, I'm sitting here talking with Zach Galligan of Gremlins, of Waxwork, of Hatchet 3. Uh, very nice to have you here. I appreciate you sitting down with me. No problem. Thanks for having me. And I just want to chat a little bit about what you've got going on. I know you're doing a lot of press right now. Uh, you've got a lot happening, so we'll we'll kind of keep it moving along. Uh First, I want to talk about Walker Stalker Con because that's how I ended up getting connected with you. Uh, you're you're doing Walker Stalker, which is Atlanta uh, at the Westin, November first through third. Uh, big horror convention. Pretty much everybody from Walking Dead. Uh, kind of a Hatchet Three reunion because you've got yourself, uh, Danielle Harris, Kane Hodder, Adam Green. Uh, are, are you guys? How, how did you end up hooked up with that? With Hatchet Three. 
Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Let's start with Hatchet Three, actually. Um, you know, the Hatchet Three story is kind of kind of interesting because it's it, it started out so mundane. You know, basically, I was at my girlfriend's house in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I decided to check my email. Like I check, like everybody checks their email every day, probably ten times a day, and I checked it and I saw. Uh, an email that said Hatchet 3 offer. And I thought it was like from Amazon.com or something. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't really want, I didn't see Hatchet 1 or 2. I don't really want Hatchet 3 <laughs> either. So I was about to delete it. And when I noticed that it was from my agent, and then I read it a little bit more closely and I was like, oh, wait, Hatchet like offer to be in Hatchet 3, like as an actor. Now, I still didn't know anything about Adam or the or the Hatchet franchise at all because the last five or six years, I really have kind of turned off of movies and really have watched just a ton of television. I think television's really an amazing medium right now for for long form storytelling. Yes, yes. So I um, so I was still like, I don't know horror movie, this, that, and the other thing. Then I went to IMDb and started reading up on Adam and BJ McDonald and everybody who was involved with it and, and sort of the franchise. And then I, I went to some fan pages and I saw like how vociferous some of the fans were and how passionate they were and how it was a kind of an eighties throwback type of a thing to slasher movies like Friday the 13th and whatnot. And I thought, you know what? This is right up my alleyway. And uh, I still had doubts, though. And so one one of my um, one of my best actor friends is is the actor Carrie Elways. You know him from Princess yes. Bride. Yes, absolutely. So I called Carrie up and I was like, "Dude, I got this offer to do this movie." And he's like, "Where does it shoot?" I go, "It shoots down in New Orleans for like three or four weeks." He goes, "Dude, I love that city. That silly city's brilliant." I said, "No, I love it too." And he goes, "Dude." You've got to understand because he lives in Mal. He's from England, but he lives in Malibu now. So he has this like half surfer dude, half London <laughs> accent. It's really interesting. And he goes, "Listen, dude, listen, man, you're not going to get anywhere sitting on the couch, dude. You've got to get out there and you've got to get working. And dude, you, you're going to you're going to go down to New Orleans. You're going to have the best time, dude. It's going to be hot and miserable and you'll be covered with bugs and things. It's going to be so much fun. You've got to do it. So I kind of thought about it and he was like, you know, I, I've heard so many times you never get ahead in your career by saying no and by sitting on the couch. Sure. And sure. I, I really do subscribe to that. So that kind of pushed me over the edge and I signed up for it. And as soon as I signed up for it and took the plunge, I was really excited about it. And then on the plane down to New Orleans, because I'd, I'd been there before, um, and I love that city. I absolutely love that city. And I was just so excited. I went down there and I met everybody. And it was intimidating because they were all a big, one big happy family. And I was like the new kid. And um, everybody within like a day basically just totally welcomed me. And and made me feel great, and we just went out to the swamp and shot the movie, and it was awesome. Well, I've got to imagine that. I mean, because the the movies themselves are a whole lot of fun, and they are you know they are that throwback to the slasher movies. But just the story of how they got the first one made, how they made it happen, just you know pure determination to to do it is is awesome. But yeah, it's, it's tight knit crew. So you got the Carrie Elway's pep talk. You got down there, everybody 
you know, was like, okay, awesome. Zach Galligan's here. Let's do this thing. And it just, just a pleasant experience all around. Well, I mean, it was a, it was a nightmare in terms of, of discomfort that we experienced in the swamp, but per personality wise, in terms of the personal experience, everybody down there as a human being was like fantastic. And, and I had so much fun and and have made like lifelong friendships and connections. It was probably one of the best decisions that I, I guess you'd say that Carrie ever made. I was going to say that I ever made, but um, <laughs> it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And so it was miserable. The actual shooting, in, you know, in the swamp itself was miserable, um, but the result was great. And I, I personally think that Hatchet Three looks fantastic. I think it's a beautiful looking film, and I think it's easily the best looking of the three movies. Well, they, there's definitely been, uh, cause I mean, the first one itself really did capture kind of the spirit of the eighties movies, but in the second one, you can kind of tell they learned a lot. Right. So getting to see everybody again, uh, in November at Walker Stalker, how did you end up part of Walker Stalker con? Um, that's a much simpler question, uh, or a simpler answer. The guy who represents me for personal appearances is a guy, is a guy named Sean Clark, and he um, reps Norman Reedus too. Okay. So he obviously was privy to all sorts of very, very um, – I guess you could say the, the, the early plans of Walker Stalker. Mm -hmm. and, and, and quite honestly, they pretty much centered Walker Stalker's success and around Reedus. They didn't think they were going to get Andrew Lincoln. They ended up getting Andrew Lincoln, but they didn't think that they were. But they, they knew that Norman was gettable. And so they thought, well, you know, if we can start, if we can, if we can, if we can cement Norman in there as the foundation, then I think we can, we can build a lot of people around him. So they started to do that. And, uh, I was aware of it. I was watching it. And then I saw Danielle and Kane go and I got on the phone with my guy and I was like, dude. Danielle and Kane are going to be there. I thought this was just a Walking Dead thing. He's like, well, now it's kind of branching out into like, you know, people who did movies with zombies in them. I was like, um, excuse me, Kane Hodder and Danielle Harris are in Hatchet movies. Those are not zombie movies. And just last time I checked, I was in one of those too. I want to go to Walker Stalker. I love The Walking Dead. And he's like, all right, I'll give him a call and see what they say. And so he gave me a call and he was like, guess what? You're going down to Atlanta. And I was like, yeah, baby. And then I've been watching it grow and then i guess it was about 10 days ago they got andrew lincoln and when they got andrew lincoln the website crashed i mean all hell broke loose yeah that was and that was huge news that I, that i don't think anybody really expected because i mean the guys doing walker stalker are i mean they're fans they they got to tour the set and they have a podcast and they decided let's do a con you know it's not like they're in you know what I mean like they're they just kind of again through sheer determination threw this thing together absolutely and, and so I, I think what happens you know I don't know how much your listeners know about how conventions work but basically what happens is you get a few kind of cool people right and um, and then that starts the ticket sales going. And then hopefully your ticket sales make a nice advance. And so you're getting a lot of money flowing in. Then if you're smart, like the people at Walker Stalker are, they sold a lot of tickets and made a lot of money before the convention even started. And then they went, hey, why don't we take whatever Andrew Lincoln's appearance fee is? And you know it's something like, I don't know, fifty to to $100,000 for a single day, something like that. Sure, sure. Let's take seventy five k 
and of the money we've already made and just throw it at Andrew Lincoln and see if he'll come. So they did. Uh, they must have. And he said yes. And then they could. They did the deal and they announced it. And then once they announced it, everything went crazy. And ba- I bet they made their money that they paid to Andrew Lincoln back in a day. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And and I think it's also smart of them uh, as strictly a Walking Dead convention. You know, it, it would have brought in all the diehard Walking Dead fans, particularly here in Atlanta, since it's shot here and it, and it has its roots here. But I think it was very smart of them to branch out to you know other facets of horror to get some other folks in there uh, to broaden the appeal because you might have some folks who are like well i like walking dead but i you know i don't know but then once you start bringing in yourself kane hotter um the Giancarlo Esposito. I, I was just getting ready to say it I, I had to pause for a moment to think about his name like how crazy is that that he's there that's wild dude Giancarlo esposito is an incredible actor and his performance in breaking bad among other things is Amazing. So that the fact that they started branching out and making Walker Stalker kind of like a almost sort of a pop culture convention too, because yeah. it's like it's got horror and now it's got some Breaking Bad people, you know. And 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 it, and, and another smart thing they did was they have um, they have the girl from Walking Dead. What's her name? Emily Kinney. Is that her name? Yes. Yes. They've got her singing. So now there's like music involved in it too. So it's not just like horror. You know what I mean? Well, so they, they, they branched it out and made it this really cool, just fun – it's going to be this badass, fun insanity in Atlanta for two days. Well, days. I think these guys – I think they know cons and they kind of understand, look, we've got these – you know, the first through the third, we've got to occupy people. So they know we've got to have something going on sort of in the evening. We've got we've to kind of spread out the entertainment a little bit and keep people interested. Now, they really seem to be – doing that like the schedule is shaping up to be really good uh and i've got to say i'm i'm very excited about it and as far as the promotion of it i haven't seen anything promoted this well in a while really yeah they i mean they really have a major presence on facebook which i mean now it's got to be nice now to be able to devote uh, you know because facebook essentially they, they want you to you know pay to promote posts and everything but the word of mouth on facebook is incredible yeah. And well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something else. I don't mean to interrupt you here. Oh no, go ahead. But but without naming names, I talked to a few people in the convention business, and I was like, "What's your take on Walker Stalker?" And they said that they have never heard this kind of buzz ever for a first year convention. Now, this is the first time they've done it. Yeah, yeah. So they've heard buzz for other conventions, obviously. But they've never heard the buzz around something that's – I mean there's never been one before. So they've never heard a buzz around a first-timer like this ever. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I mean I'm not necessarily uh, you know, huge into what goes on with conventions and behind the scenes and everything. But I attend them and I've been doing it for years and I, and I understand like how the promotion works and everything. And I've got to say it's, it's very impressive what they've done with this one. I mean just the fact that they have – a user-friendly website is is a huge step above several conventions that have been around for years now. Yep. All right, so Walker Stalker, November 1st through 3rd. Uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about the early days, I guess. Now, Gremlins and Waxwork are, are both very interesting franchises to me because you stuck around for two films in each of those. And in genre stuff, uh, it seems... You, you don't get a whole lot of repeat casting a lot of times because the people get killed off uh, and a lot of times because, you know, as, as 
things go on, the the quality goes down a little bit, and they don't try to cast the same people they did before. But those are four movies that are consistently good and are consistently Zach Galligan, which is very important to both of them because you you kind of entrenched yourself in both of those stories. How how did how did it come about that you ended up doing uh, the the Gremlins and Gremlins Two and Waxwork and Waxwork Two? Well, I mean, I think the answer to the first part of the question is, you know, Gremlins just made $148 million and something like half a billion dollars close to around the world. So um, the fact of the matter is that the Gremlins 2 is kind of inevitable. Why it took six years, I still don't fully understand why there was so much um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uncertainty and kind of pickiness about the script. Um I never really understood that, but there was, and so eventually they really liked the script that Charlie Haas did um, for Gremlins 2. And you know, Joe is a very, uh, Joe Dante is a very subversive guy. He loves cartoons, and he loves, you know, cartoons, Warner Brothers cartoons, oftentimes, uh, especially stuff like Bugs Bunny or Bullwinkle, a lot of subversive messages embedded in those cartoons, and I think that's part of the, uh, the appeal to Joe who, I don't know if you know this, but has like a library of something like 5,000 original cartoons like in his house, all on 35mm film. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, he's like, and that's, you know, of course, he's so he's basically, you could probably argue that Joe's one of the top 10 experts on cartoons, especially Warner Brothers cartoons, maybe in the world. And that's, I think, also why his work, like Gremlins and the Twilight Zone and... Uh, Things like small so- soldiers, and obviously the the most uh, obvious example would be Looney Tunes. Um, you know, that's why they have that cartoonish feel. Oh well, everything of his is it, it has that sort of lunatic bent to it, that absurdness of cartoons. But uh, it it's you know with with that tinge of horror, which which is what makes it so strange and absurd and recognizable as his. Well, I think what's real, what Joe doesn't get a lot of credit for, which is really cool, and you can see this in Gremlins 2 um, very clearly, is Joe loves radical tone shifts in the middle of a movie. Perfect example is like in Gremlins 2 when all the technicians in the clamp tower are sitting around joking with me um, about the rules, right? The three rules and the guy's like, so if he gets a caraway seed stuck in his teeth <laughs> and then he crosses the international dateline, does that mean that he like technically ate after midnight? Like all of that hilarious stuff <laughs> and everyone's joking about it and then the gremlin pops out of the control board and like slashes the girl open? Yes. <laughs> that's like, that's Joe Dante to a T. It's like get you to lower your defenses Take the piss out of the own project that you're doing, kind of like shit on the old version of Gremlins and sort of like make fun of it as you're doing it. And then all of a sudden when you're not expecting it, kind of like, you know, shock you with something like that. Well, and even in the first Gremlins, uh, it, it is – I think the first Gremlins is slightly more uh, horror-based in tone. I mean it's still obviously a very fun movie with, with a, a good spirit to it. But even in the first one, things are kind of trucking along. The gremlins aren't, you know, necessarily murderous, horrible beasts. They're causing trouble. And then that scene with Phoebe Cates talking about what happened to her father in the fireplace. And you're like, what the fuck just happened in this movie? 
it just got so grim and horrible, and yet that scene is hilarious. No doubt. You know, the funny thing, and a lot of people don't know this, but, um, well, I've told this story so many times, actually, probably a lot of people do. But anyway, um, you know, people at Warner Brothers, who shall remain nameless, they kind of hated Phoebe's monologue. They thought it was sick, and they thought it was terrible, and they thought it was ruining the movie, and they wanted it cut out. And, um, And Joe heard about this and went and talked to Phoebe about it. Now, Phoebe really didn't, quite honestly, didn't really want to do Gremlins because she didn't think that her part was very good, and the only thing that really made it interesting to her was the monologue. So her feeling was that if the monologue got cut out, and if you actually look at her role, if you cut the monologue out, it's not that amazing. Um, <laughs> cause then you have the scene where she's like, you know, hey, you know, you say, you say you love Christmas, but, and everyone says you're okay, but if you say you don't like it, everyone like, you know, acts like you're Jack the Ripper or something like that, right? And right. I, and I have that incredibly <laughs> slightly racist line now where I go, what are you, a Hindu or something? <laughs> right, right. Um, very politically incorrect nowadays. But so that scene makes no sense unless you get the payoff with her dad being stuck in the chimney. Yeah. So Joe went to her and said, listen, you know, I'm just letting you know there is a possibility. I have final cut, but they're putting a real amount of pressure on me to like cut this out. And Phoebe got very, very upset. Uh, very upset. Not angry, but kind of like, distraught and like why did I do this movie sure, sure. this was the sole reason why I did this now they're going to cut this out I've got 10 more weeks of filming what's the point and it kind of freaked me and Joe out a little bit and uh, basically what happened was there was a massive amount of opposition to that scene from all of the suits and Joe Dante basically just went you know what I have final cut fuck it I'm keeping it in the movie and that's the only reason why it's in the movie is because Joe wanted to keep it in and keep his promise to Phoebe well and it is I mean it's critical that scene is you know when you're a kid it isn't but as you get older and as your appreciation of the movie and and movies in general change uh, that scene becomes much different and much more important and it's funny that that's actually a pretty good segue because it brings me to Waxwork which has a similar tone in that the first time I saw Waxwork, I thought it was straight horror. I, I didn't even recognize the humorous elements of that movie. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, Waxwork is, how do I say this? Waxwork is, a to me, a, it's a deeply strange movie. I mean, yeah. there are bits and pieces of Waxwork where I just say to myself, what what was happening? You know, what was going on? Like, for example, um, talk about politically incorrect. The sequence where I get my maid to write my exam for me. Do you remember that? My yes. paper? Yes. You know, uh, the problem with dictators, they have the small mustaches and the shouting voices. <laughs> that scene is like, to this day, I find that scene kind of a, a jaw dropper. <laughs> um, I really, really do. Um, so... So Waxwork is a very strange movie because the tone is, again, it's kind of a little bit all over the place. Uh, and if you think Waxwork 1 is strange, then Waxwork 2. Waxwork 1 is like the godfather next to Waxwork 2. Yeah, Waxwork 2 Wax, went off the rails. Waxwork 2 just 
<laughs> Waxwork 2 is like a van being driven into a brick wall at 80 miles an hour. You're like, what the hell is this movie doing? Now, I personally happen to love shit like that. I think it's awesome. And, you know, like the, the my favorite sequence by far, obviously, is the fight through time with Alexander Gudinov and myself just like going through Dawn of the Dead and then through Jack the Ripper. And it's like, who knows what we're doing? I don't even know what we're doing, but it's just nuts. Well, and just the concept um, of the movie that, that all of these uh, fictional narratives are, are existing in this parallel universe. Like, that, that's nuts. That's completely insane. Yeah. But, but you yeah. accept it and you go along. You totally go along with it. And it's, it's unbelievably fun. I mean, I, I love both of the waxwork movies. And when people come up to me at conventions and they, they've got the double pack or they've got, you know, the two separate movies or something like that and they love them. I'm amazed, quite honestly, that people are still watching, at least still watching waxwork too with the, uh, with the passion that they are. I think some of that has to do with the fact that Bruce Campbell's in it. Um, that was a pretty amazing piece of casting on Tony's part. But of course, he'd worked with Bruce on uh, Sundown, the Vampire in Retreat. Well, it's definitely—I mean, Bruce Campbell definitely adds that that kind of cult cred, I guess, to anything. But I think it's—it is that bizarreness and that weirdness that Waxwork Two has that keeps it interesting, and that probably keeps new people finding it because you—you you know, when you get into horror, it's only the the straight gore and straight terror is only interesting for so long before you want something a little different and a little bizarre, and you start finding stuff like Phantasm and. And, uh, you know, all of those movies are insane. They're four movies in and nothing makes any sense, but they're still a blast to watch. And that's, you know, Waxwork is, is kind of similar lines where, you know, they're, they're great horror flicks. You can sit back and watch them as such, but they're just weirdo movies. And that keeps yeah, people interested. They're, they're pretty strange, I got to admit, you know. I like them, but they're weird. Um, well, I know you are super busy. You've got a lot going on. Before we go, uh, I want to talk about what you're doing now. Uh, you are now working with Wizard World. Is that correct? Well, as far as conventions go, yeah. Um, uh, I, I just got uh, put on the Wizard World calendar for 2014 for New Orleans specifically. That's going to be February 7th, 8th, and 9th. Um, that's going to be an amazing show. I'm really excited about it. And I think Wizard World's kind of throwing me against the wall and seeing if I stick, so to speak, kind of like a pe- like a little piece of pasta. Right, right. And um, I-, I think they kind of want to gauge the fan response. So, and and if this fan response is good, then what's going to happen is that they will put me, you know, on all the other shows. And I don't know if people are aware of this, but next year. Wizard World is doing a massive expansion. Yes, yes. Um, they're they're hitting Atlanta again. Yeah. Well, just to give you a quick rundown, they're doing after New Orleans, they're doing Sacramento, Louisville, St. Louis, Minneapolis, Atlanta, Philadelphia, San Antonio, Chicago, Richmond, Virginia, Nashville, Ohio, and Tulsa. So they're going all over the country. So if you get accepted to the Wizard World tour, it's kind of great because then everybody all over the country gets to see you. And you don't have that thing where people are like, boy, I'd really like to see you, but I can't fly all the way to Philadelphia from Portland or I can't fly all the way to Nashville from, you know, Sacramento. So the bottom line is, you know, if I could get put on the tour, then I can come and meet everybody. So if anybody has any interest in that, they should just tweet or 
at Wizard World or go on the Wizard World Facebook page and just tell them, I would love to have Zach come to my city. And the more people that do that, the more likely it is um, that I'll get a put on the tour and we'll uh, show up at a convention near you. Well, from what I understand, uh, Wizard basically has the intent of becoming a traveling uh, San Diego Comic-Con. They want right. to be the big media show. They want to tour the country, hit as many cities as they can hit, and have a consistency across their tour. So it's not like you said. So it's not like, well, Zach Galligan's in Philadelphia, but he's not going to be in San Antonio. Or, uh, you know, they, they don't want that sort of thing to happen. They want to know, okay, if this person's big, let's bring them everywhere. So right. the point now, Phantom Maniacs, is to get online, get on Twitter, get on the social media, Go to Wizard World's page. Let them know we want to see Zach Galligan in every single city that Wizard World's going to be in. We're going to have him here in Atlanta November 1st through 3rd, but we want him back. We want him everywhere in Wizard World. So get out there. Let the people know Zach Galligan tour with Wizard World everywhere, all the places. One other thing I just want to mention very quickly is if any of your listeners are in the Austin, San Antonio, just general Texas area, I'm doing a very cool Gremlins Christmas screening at the Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. That's amazing. December 18th at the Alamo Draft House. And then we're going to have about an hour long Q&A where I'm going to ask, answer as many questions as people have until they run out of them. And then when it's done, I'm basically just going to sign stuff for everybody and post pictures with them. Basically, you know, <clears throat> pretty much for free and just kind of like schmooze with everybody and just have a really good time. That's very cool. Let me ask you, I, I have not been to Austin, but obviously I know of Austin's reputation. Is that just the coolest city on the planet, basically? Guess what? I've never been there. Oh, That's why wow. I'm doing this. Nice. Taking the opportunity. There. I am totally using this just as an opportunity to go to Austin because I've heard so many amazing things about it. So Kerry Elways didn't even have to talk you into this one. No, he did not. He really did not. <laughs> Zach, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, I, I, I hope to see you at uh, Walker Stalker. Well, I will. And I wish you the best of luck uh, with the Wizard World experience because I think that's really going to be a huge thing next year. I think they're really going to make their presence known across the country. And uh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Dude, it's been my pleasure. And, um, you know, we'll speak again. Absolutely. And everybody remember, you can follow Zach Galligan on Twitter at ZWGMan, Z-W-G-M-A-N. And now it's time to get back to Earth Station Moo. Well, obviously, it's not time to get back to Earth Station Boo, though you should listen to it. If you have not, you can find that on esonetwork.com. Uh, now it is time to get on to our next segment of the big-ass year-end Needless Things podcast. Uh, this is where myself and Mr. Bo Brown discuss the Masters of the Universe Classics Jet Sled from Mattel. Before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about Castle Grayskull. Uh, Bo and I are going to do a full rundown of the whole year uh, of Masters of the Universe Classics at some point in the next couple of days here, actually. But I just want to say Grayskull is crazy. It's not perfect, 
Uh, it's not everything I ever wanted out of a new version of Castle Grayskull, but it's amazing, and it's the best Grayskull we're ever going to get. Uh, it's one of those things where I kind of have to put my my feelings about it aside a little bit, like some of the things I, I'm not crazy about, and just say, wow, look, I can stick a thousand He-Man figures in this. Okay, maybe not a thousand, but it, it's huge, man. It's really big. Uh, I, I Is it worth... 275 bucks probably not but considering it's again the only castle gray skull you can get yeah sure uh you know i paid that for it i've got it and i'll tell you just from playing with it with little troublemaker uh that's been worthwhile but anyway this is an idea that bo had he wanted to do an audio review of the jet sled and you know we had fun I, I always have fun talking to people i'm i'm just curious to see how much fun you guys are gonna have listening to it so here it is hey everybody i am here with mr Bo brown and we're gonna do something that we've never done before on the needless things podcast or website or anywhere else for that matter uh we're going to do i guess you'd call it a live toy review yeah Live we're going to we're going to double team the fuck out of the jet sled. And it's going to be sore afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to happen here. Okay. This sure, this sure. was uh this was your baby. What what made you think of this? Uh I think I was I think I was like, op- you know, at night opening my figure and I kept thinking of things to talk about, but there was no one there to listen. Yeah. <laughs> like I just kept having thoughts like, oh, isn't it cool that da 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 And I'd be like, well, there's no one here, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of do the same thing. And, and, and the shame of it yeah. is, like, I don't write my reviews. I open things, take pictures, and then later on we'll write the reviews. So they're, they're things that I lose from that initial opening excitement. Yeah, like, what are your first right. impressions? Right, right. You know? And i got to say, the first impression of this thing is that it's huge. No kidding. I was not expecting it to be this big. Um, but I, you know, looking at it in comparison to the size of the Wind Raider, that's, which is gigantic, you know, and which I think even the castle, like, did you see the footage My of the castle from Power Gosh, that ca- uh, we, it's I'll tell, huge. I'll tell you right now, we do not understand how big that castle is going to be. No. We've no. seen pictures, we've seen video, we've seen people standing beside it, but I yeah. think when that thing shows up, it's going to be mind-boggling. Yeah. I and can't that wait. box is... Well, I can wait. I can wait. I'm I know. I was going to say, uh, when you brought this up, I thought it was a brilliant idea. And I my immediate thought was, oh, my gosh, we got to do this with the castle and do, like, a full-length podcast. But you're waiting until Christmas, and I... I'm going to do it on Christmas, sir, man. There's no way, dude. <laughs> I can't. Well, I can, I can talk about it still. I mean, I've seen the videos. I can... You know, you can talk to me about it. That just seems cruel. That. Well, no, I know. I've seen the videos. I yeah, know. Yeah, and coming. you're gonna and and I'll just be all excited about it. Like, tell me yeah, how cool yeah. it is. Yeah, we, we might It'll work be great. that out. Yeah. All right, but right now we've got uh, the jet sled with Sky High, which uh, was uh, kind of a surprise. Heroic airship adventurer. Oh, the surprise! Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We, uh, you know, we've seen the battle ram. We saw it what three years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, completely done, and. You know, actually, I think that was the year I was there. And oh, I saw wow! It. Nice. Yeah, very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 yeah, hard it to you. separate the the reality from because everything's so accessible now. We see everything online, so it's it's right. kind of hard to 
Is that online or right. is it in real life? I don't know the right. difference Did anymore. Did I see this thing or not? <laughs> but uh, I am the but, I mean, We knew it was done, but after you know the Wind Raider and Maddie made kind of a big deal out of yeah, out of yeah. that not performing like they really wanted it to. You don't get vehicles because you didn't buy the Wind Raider. It's right. all your and fault. Meanwhile, those of us who bought the Wind Raider are like, what? But we did. bought two? Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't mind <laughs> right. having two, but, you know, I, as... Well, well, if you want to have a flight stand for your uh, jet sled, uh, you need to yeah, buy two. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, but I yeah. see I've got my Wind Raider hanging from the ceiling, so... Uh, I, oh, that's true. So you've got yeah, the spare thing. Yeah, ah. I sure do. So. Mine's busy holding up the... Holding it up, the Wind Raider fighting Beastman on the ground. Oh yeah, yeah, and see that probably looks really nice too. Oh, um, so it does. Looks but yeah, this thing came, and I was like, and I mean, it's this weird thing where even the figures when they arrive are, I, it's almost like I forget every time how big these figures are because I yeah. deal in for the most part six inch scale figures that are typically significantly smaller than this, so. When these guys come, I'm always like, oh, that's right. They're so much bigger than everything else that I get. And this came, and mm-hmm. looking at pictures, and, you know, reasonably you knew it was going to be large. But, man, I mean, this was – it fills up the, the beast box. Yeah, it fills up the box. It does. And there's so much to it. Like, it's deep, too. The box is, is also, like, a lot deeper yeah. than normal. Uh, I mean, I guess it's probably as deep as, like, Battle Cat was or something. But, um, yeah, it's big. And, it's a and wide heavy. piece. And I've, I'd like to point out um, – you know, this is the standard, you know, beast box. The design and everything is the same. But the first thing that jumped out at me on the back is the palace guard labeled as Lieutenant Spectre. Oh, yeah. Because. Yeah. yeah. You know, because my, my first impression was I sort of looked at it from left to right. And I was like, and I sort of got a wash of it, you know. And I was like, oh, that's good. You know, I, lo- I really like it when the when the card back has characters that make sense to the characters yeah. in the box. Yeah. And I was like, look, it's all it's all good guys. It's all it's all Queen Merlina and Man-at-Arms and Lieutenant, Lieutenant Spectre. God damn it, Scott Knightley. <laughs> like, you little bastard. And, uh, and story-wise, that, you know, that does fit with, with what they're saying about Sky High. Or, or Darid? I guess Darid. is the yeah, or da- Darid. Darid, maybe I don't know. You I like think Darid. Darid, Darid like Dare, like yeah, he's sure, I'll take that. But uh, yeah, I'll Darid tell you, I'm going to stick this guy with the foemen because I, I didn't make my fighting foemen horde members. They're just a a, a roaming mm-hmm. band right. of ad- adventurers, chaotic neutral, maybe. See, I I have the uh, the the girl and the guy with the long hair. Um, uh, I have them as. Palace pilots. Oh, okay, like, okay. She pilots that vehicle, sure, and, sure. And, and they're just the good guys. They're they have cool, unique outfits because they are the experts at their vehicle, just right, like Sky right. High. Basically, I did I did to them exactly what okay. they did with Sky High. And then the uh, blue guy I have is a hordes guy because he, he looks, looks he does look fairly hordes-y. hordy, but I I just He's a I like him as a, as a yeah. little you know a team wandering maybe kind of fighting on the side of whoever and I think I'm going to stick I'm going to stick Sky High with them because he has that same look he's got the same motif of what on his chest is what he is yeah and I've got some red ones he's got a very oh yeah I've got some red guys yeah yeah, um, he's he's there's there's some red weapons laying around somewhere that uh, I think yeah. they're pretty snazzy with I I see him he's got like a, a sort of Mad Max kind of Thunderdome kind of thing going on so I can see him as a mercenary and we are we are just just for the the those listening at home we are opening these for the first yes. time uh, over over Skype and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pull Sky High out here and get a good look at him because I'm curious about the notch on his back. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 
sturdy that is and uh it is it's not rubber it's it's a nice plastic notch and uh i'll pull out his little yeah it's not the same material as his armor it's a little insert yeah peg peggy thingy in there yeah it's which was a good call and that's the uh he comes with a little fin that is made from the that's the wind raider rudder the wings is that the wings yeah the wings okay and uh, it snaps right in there. Which way do you like it? Do you like the, the fins going up or down? Down. Yeah. Well, that's kind of... I definitely like them down. Yeah. That works better. But I, I dig... Uh, I like his helmet mm-hmm. a lot. Oh, and did you, it's did very... you see a Pixel Daniels review where he's like, yeah, and you can pose... Like, it's like a helmet. So, like, you could put... Uh, and the Horde Troopers are the same way. You can put this, like, take his head off and, and have him hold it and put anybody's head on his body and it looks like they're the guy oh, under the helmet. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty smart. Um, I think it was a really good idea. And so the yeah. Horde Troopers are the same way. You can have like He-Man as the Horde Troopers or Hordak as Baby Steel and Hordak, you know. Um. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a box of heads uh, laying around here, but he's he's very he uh, Sky High's design is good. I, I called him bland initially, but yeah, I, I like gotta it, say, yeah. I I can agree yeah, with that. Yeah, he though. fits in with any mm-hmm. era. Uh, like his blandness works to his advantage because he he looks kind of filmationy, he looks kind of two thousand two y for sure. Uh, he he's got a very nice kind of middle of the road design. Yeah, that I've got to say I'm I happy. He's, with. I think he's more, he's more generic, but I think that means that he looks like he fits in more. I have a hard time sure. with yeah. the chick like figuring out where she fits into into things because she doesn't really look palace guardian like you you put her in her own thing she, you know she doesn't look like enough like anything yeah. to put her into a group uh, yeah and that's how i felt was was that all of them really looked like their own thing like they fit within masters of the universe but they didn't really fit within any of the factions yeah. i don't think he'd look very good in the wind raider though honestly no i don't either, even though he was on the heart yeah he doesn't he doesn't i mean he looks much better on the the jet sled um speaking of the jet sled do you want to start talking about that yeah, I think we probably should because it's a big old chunk of. Well, any uh, any parting words about, about Sky High? He, have you used um, his wings I, as a weapon? What? what do you think about that? Uh, eh, I'll I'll give him some kind of blaster or something because that that doesn't work for me. Yeah. I yeah. I don't. I I'm not even sure honestly that I'm gonna leave his wings on him because mm. the color. Oh, again, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, I can, see, yeah, I can see him with a blaster or like a mace, maybe. Yeah. Ooh, you know, ooh, yeah, ooh, you know what would look good in the new weapons pack. Um, Sir Laserlot's weapons are coming non-lasery, like the mace and the sword. Oh, those yeah. are, and, and his shield. Very knightly. His, uh, his blue shield would look good on him. Yeah, it really yeah. would. It really would. But yeah, the wing. I, I like the idea of these wings as a weapon. You know who would look good holding these wings? Palace, Gu- who Palace Guards. Good? Yeah, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Great, now I'm going to have to buy two more palace guards. Darn it! Darn it! How many horde troopers are you going to get? I would love to own like ten, but yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, that's I'm strong. They're November. Are they the same month? Yeah. Are they the same month as the council? No, they're next month. Everything's next in October. Month? It's ridiculous, and so it's like the it's the biggest month of the year, with the exception of the castle, and they give us the army builder of all army builders that everybody wants a million of. Right, out of anything you're gonna buy, yeah, it's the army builder of army builders. Right, you know the yeah. horde. It's oh, you know the horde. It means there's a lot of them. <laughs> you know. I'm I'm gonna have to get 
at least two sets. I'm, I, like, I'm I, leaning I can't strongly towards three, three and, I can't, I'm, and I feel dirty on the inside. <laughs> well, here's my like thing with every, with every action figure collection that I have that there are any kind of troop builders, four is kind of my standard... Uh, yeah, that's what I have for the guards in the Snake Man. Yeah, and that's... Like with my Star Wars, I've got a, a ridiculous number of clone troopers, mm-hmm. and each... Squad like all the squadrons are designated by color, and I had to have at least four of each one. Right. And I think because four is like a squad, that's enough to be a team, right? And it just it makes sense in any scenario. And and yeah, for them, it, that actually is a squad. And with, and clones, yeah, so. and with um, you know, posing them on the shelf, two rows make it look like for, it makes it look formal. You know, yes. like they that the two that the four represent many, but when you just yeah. have two, that's a pair of guards. Exactly, you know, but when exactly. you have four, Those guys are, that's that's like there's other guys in the back, you know. Two guys are going to have to call for help, right? But four guys can probably handle something. Right. So yeah, I I I will get at least four. See, I want I want troopers. I want six because they're the horde. They should have more army guys than everybody else. That's their deal, you know. Yeah, they win yeah. with sheer numbers, and and you know, so and they look. Cool. I think I <laughs> they look really good. I've, I think I just have to accept that I'm never going to have as many horde troopers as I want. Well, so yeah, I'm well, so am I. I'm, and, I'm and accepting that with with six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to accept it at a lower threshold than you are. Oh, it's so bad. That problem. So uh, the jet sled That's, is is nice and solid, very solid. Uh, which, I mean, it's, what's interesting though is the upper portion is a softer plastic. It's not that hard plastic. As a matter of fact, I'm feeling it. What now. upper portion? The gun. Um, oh, no, the tip. Actually, the, okay. Wait. Well, no, the gun and the handlebars are, are actually rubber. Yeah. And, and so are the jets on the back and the little guns mounted on oh, the bottom. Yeah. All of this stuff looks great. It does. But if you feel the actual body, mm-hmm. give where the, uh, where the dragon or whatever that is, is painted. Mm-hmm. Give that just a, a little bit of a squeeze. Oh well, that, that's not rubbery. That's just hot. It, no, it's not. It's not rubbery, but it is a. It's a different, softer plastic. It's not rigid, which I like. I don't like. I don't know. I don't. That's. It. I don't that like. Pretty rigid to me. Well, it, it's it's more solid, but it's also more squishy than it could be. My point is that it's not going to break when it falls from the ceiling oh, or no. off the this shelf or something. Just things, yeah. Um, it, it's. I like Very what they've solid. made it out of. And I like that it's not glossy. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I like the matte finish on it. Uh, I love the guns on the bottom. Those the, are the guns. Oh, those all look. Great. look th- they all look fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they, they've really got a lot of character. The bottom mounted guns have some nice. Uh, the nozzles on the front, the way that they're angled, yeah, uh, just really look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm honestly the, not. I yeah, never the whole. A, did you have a battle ram? Um, I didn't, and in fact, it was one of the things that I always wanted to play with when I when I went and played with 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 other guys' toys, and right, right. and I I don't care about the rest of the battle ram at all. Never did because you didn't really see it a whole lot. You saw the attack track on, on the cartoon, yeah, but yeah. they flew around on these things all the time. You know, yeah, you saw this, this way vehicle. more than the battle ram, and and so to me, this was much more iconic. This this is this was very He Man of my childhood was. A character on the jet sled, freaking flying around, and you know, like hold it up to like its silhouette, like it's so streamlined, like it's just a big arrowhead, like yeah. designed to pierce the sky, like it just it looks like it's going fast, you know. So yeah, well, it, it looks and, fantastic. And 
having said that, though, if they offered the rest of the battle ram, but because yeah, how, how could they offer the rest of the battle ram? They can't. Well, because what if you don't have this? If you don't have this, the battle ram doesn't look like anything on its own. It doesn't look like anything. I don't. I don't, I don't know how worried they are about that, really. But the the point is that this is definitely from what we saw three or whatever years ago at Comic-Con, oh, sure. because it, it has the notch mm-hmm. on the back to attach to the rest of the vehicle, mm-hmm. which was very interesting and, and exciting to me, even though I, I know we're we're not going to get the rest of it. What would you uh, rather have? Would you rather them release just the rest of the Battle Ram or release the whole Battle Ram with another jet sled? Uh, that, I would totally take that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I, I want I already want more than one of these. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really really nice. I mean they they did a fantastic job. The paint on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, the very best thing that Mattel has done with this line is said no stickers. Yeah, everything is painted. The control panel on this is gorgeous. Oh yeah. my Look gosh! I mean you you don't see stuff this nice in modern toy lines. Certainly not in eighties toy lines. Uh, you know this this would all be stickers. Yeah. Uh, in the in the eighties, it would be paper stickers that would be worn mm-hmm. off, you know, by now. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Uh, this stuff really looks nice. The the dragon design on the side is. I, l- I love that sort of that because you don't see it a lot in classics, but that sort of old psychedelic element of He Man that that isn't you know that was in a lot of the stickers and, 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 and that sort of trippy looking kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you don't get to see that a lot. And I, I love that it's on here. It looks like it could be like on the side of a van. Yeah, exactly. Or like an old album cover, you know, but the, the application on this stuff is all incredibly yeah. tight. All, all of the paint details are centered and positioned exactly where they're supposed to be. Uh, there's no overlap. There are no missed spots. Everything is totally even. And, man, and they I'm, I'm really holding it far away, like I'm holding it at arm's length, and mm-hmm. and man, all the little detail, all the little rivets and stuff, totally come out and look great. Well, and the fact that they've got the jets and uh, some of the plating on the top, and then those guns underneath that look so good are all done in metallic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a hole in the bottom so that you can use the flight stand uh, from the Wind Raider. If your Wind Raider is not busy with it, right? Exactly. Uh, you can use that here. And which can go into your Castle Grayskull if you want to park the jet sled or the Wind Raider in your Castle Grayskull. Yes, exactly. Speaking of Castle Grayskull, uh, I really want that crazy parts set, but it's really not practical for me to get it. Which crazy parts? The, set? I think it's Icon Heroes is doing it with the the extension that goes underneath, and the it's like one hundred and seventy dollars. Oh. Right. The 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 well do you, do you have the Icon Heroes castle? Uh no 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 this is well, for no, the big, this is for the big castle. Would it, no it's not. Yeah it is. For the Mattel castle? Am I am I incorrect on that? I believe you are, sir. Uh no, there the Icon Heroes under castle is for the Icon Heroes castle. Oh okay, well then no, forget it. I mean that would well, be I, ridiculous. I that would be heard that would be your entire dining room table. Uh, well, the, I mean. the thing's going to be the entire dining room table as it is. Um, I, I sure. had heard that one of these crazy toy people was making a, a set of parts for Grayskull. And when I saw the picture huh. of that, I thought that was And it, it. was the base? Like yeah, with the yeah, bridge yeah. with the all big the big arches and crap? Really? And the, the, uh, 
Although, you know what? It had the flag, and that would explain why the flag was in there. But good gosh, it's $170 for that set. I mean, that's for that little tiny statue they made. That's ridiculous. Oh, it's, I mean, that thing's coming in at like $400. So if you want both. That's insane. It's crazy. I mean, it's gorgeous. And you've seen the Snake Mountain? The Snake Mountain looks no, awesome, too. No, I haven't seen too. Snake Mountain yet. Oh, it's great. It's cool because cool it combines the Filmation Snake Mountain with the Toy ah, Snake Mountain. Ah, very nice. And it's like a mountain range. Like It's it's like two mountains next to each other. It's really I smart, actually. I am doing actually. my best to get Sky High to sit. Oh, I've got him on there. He looks on awesome. On here. Although I will say that the design might not be entirely practical because this thing really looks like it'd be setting your butt on it would fire. Be, like your your butt is extremely. It would be close setting to your engines. butt on fire, and you would have to have thighs of steel to hang on to it while it was in flight. Yeah. Which, granted, all of these people yeah. do. Um, yeah, I like this. I mean, he looks just like they looked in the cartoon. So if if you are going to pose him with your other uh, fighting foeman, the question is who gets dragged? I jet think. I'm going to put, I don't know, I, I kind of maybe want to put Thunder Punch He-Man on it. Mm-hmm. Interesting choice. He has a closed oh, fist. he does have a closed fist. Well, I'll just have him Thunder Punching over the top. Yeah! I don't want to use another... Oh, oh, man. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Have him flying past Megator, Thunder Punching Megator <laughs> on the jet sled. <laughs> In the face. That is That'd awesome. awesome. And Megator now resides on my top <laughs> shelf. I had to redo everything recently because I was totally out yeah. of room. I still, I still just have my two shelves um, of the Horde and the uh, Royal Family and Palace guys. Um, everything else is still in storage. Oh gosh! So oh, that's that. Um, Jay is the the same way when the, when they had their uh, their newest daughter. He had to pack everything mm-hmm. up and yep. like his same story. His, his primary collection is still packed up, but the stuff he's bought since then is like stashed mm-hmm. in different spots, you know, different shelves around the house or wherever he's found space for them. I've got I've got most of the new people that I've got uh, since like I don't know Clam Champ or so hanging around, um, but uh, but uh, yeah, everybody else is in storage. But anyway, so yeah, yeah I think I'm. Um, I wish I had an extra flight stand, man, but I can't. It's too good for my Windrader where it is. So he's going to have to yeah, be parked. I, I don't know if I'm going to hang this thing from the ceiling or if I, if, uh, if I end up hanging it from the ceiling, which seems fairly likely, but just because I want to take mm-hmm. up shelf space, uh, you're welcome to my, my other flight stand. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for real? Yeah, because I, oh, I don't need yeah. it for anything. Oh, yeah, sold. Thank uh, you. And that, yeah, that thing really yeah. is giant. Do you have Do you have the regular flight uh, stand? No, stands? I do not. I just okay. if somebody's flying, I tend to hang them from the ceiling. I I've actually got like all my DC guys. I have different lengths of fishing line hanging them at different heights like depending on oh, who nice. they are. Yeah. That's how mine that's how mine used to be when it was in uh old office. That's how I had Marzo up there, you know, posing with the with the gem or with the uh, his artifact and everything and Buzz off was flying and yeah, but sadly it all came down. Oh yeah, this is totally uh, this is totally for that little statue. I was looking at this thing on my mobile phone mm-hmm. when I looked. I mean, at but it's it, awesome. I mean, it looks fantastic. Just but... look, look at it. Look at it on your mobile phone and <laughs> pretend it's for the big castle gray skull, and just let it blow your mind for a minute. <laughs> and then you can feel what I felt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, the the jet sled totally. I, I 
I would rather have had a $75 complete battle ram. I don't know. I might honestly with, I'm happy with this. The battle ram like where would I, I put like it? I like it, but I, you know, it's it's huge and 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 honestly this is my favorite part of the battle ram. Um the rest is just sort of big. And I think this looks cooler flying than it would be sitting with a guy on it attached to the rest of I'm just such a sucker for vehicles with multiple units uh, really? to them. Like, one of my favorite things that I own is the Batman the Animated Series Batmobile with the little jet sled that pulls oh, out yeah. the back. Mm-hmm. Like, I love modular vehicles like that. Now, some, like the G.I. Joe Battle Force 2000, not so much, but if, if, it's a, if it's a smart design where it's two pieces that, when they're together, they look like they're really one piece, and then it's like a happy surprise when one piece pulls oh, sure. off and flies away. Yeah, like, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So that's I'm just a sucker for that. That that's that's where where I'm coming from on that. But I mean, this is awesome by itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you factor in that they're charging twenty five bucks a piece for the figures now, that makes the jet sled itself a fantastic yeah, deal. That's true for twenty five dollars. Yeah, this is a lot of plastic. Um, yeah, yeah, it totally is. And, I mean, even though it's been done for quite some time now, uh, it looks fantastic. And, and hooray it, that... It couldn't possibly be better. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think kudos to, to Scott for finding a way to work it in um, to, to, to make us get it, you know, to at least get it. Because I, yeah. I bet he thinks like I do. And it's like, well, if you just want the jet sled, even if you can't have the rest of the battle ram, like, you know, if we're, and if we're not going to get the battle ram, the fact that he found a way to get us the jet sled is really great. Yeah, I agree, and he's been doing that stuff all along, and uh, he he gets he gets. All right, a lot Lieutenant Specter, we forgive you. <laughs> well, he he gets a lot of crap. He earns, earns a, lot of crap. a decent amount of that crap. Sure, but uh, yeah, I mean, we. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, really loves the toys. We and we want to have those toys without him. So that's exactly yeah. right at, at all. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I give this thing a five out of five. Oh, absolutely, I love it. I absolutely love it, and and and. Uh, the figure um, doesn't bug me as much as feeling like he looks out of place as the rest of the other fighting foemen. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm very very hundred percent yeah five out of five totally. Yeah, and I, I've got to say I, he's he's not going to Scott not going to have anything to do with the jet sled. Uh, in my brain, I'm not even going to refer to him as Sky High probably. Mm-hmm. But right. uh, yeah, he's going to hang out with the foemen and look awesome with them and have. Well, I, th- I think just calling him Darid isn't that bad. Yeah, Darid's okay. It's certainly better than you know? Doggo Tour. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> this is true. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's that's going to be our our brief joint review. Yeah. Of Sky Fun. High and the Jet Sled, and I'm going to put this out here, and and uh, you guys let us know what you think. That was fun. Having listened to it again, uh, I, I do think it was cool. I, I definitely had a good time doing it. I always have fun talking to Bo. I, I don't know how it'll go over with you having to sit there and listen to it and look at pictures. It's not like you'll be driving in your car and looking at pictures of the jet sled. But but maybe we're just so darn good at painting a mental picture, you won't even need pictures. I don't know. Uh, please do let us know what you think. Phantom Troublemaker at yahoo.com or find me on Facebook, L Phantasmus with a PH. Next up, it is time for the grand finale. Uh, keep in mind, I am with nine other people. I can only speak to the quality of my question and Mr. Lincoln's response to my question, which I was quite happy with, I- I've got to say. Um, before I get any further though, 
I, I want to talk about Walker Stalker Con. Uh, it was a great time. I talked before about how privileged I felt that Michelle Cisco brought me in as a member of the press and treated me, you know, like a legitimate member of the press. Because, you know, no matter how well I do, no matter how many people I, you know, hey, we like you, you do a good job at that thing that you do, I still feel like I'm I'm just some goof in a mask who who's, you know, hanging on the edge of his seat doing a podcast or whatever. So it was, it was interesting to have somebody, uh, as much as I love you guys, this was somebody who is in the business telling me, hey, I'm going to treat you like you're, you know, in the business, I guess. So it was really amazing. And I went down there on Friday and there were a lot of people there. And, and let me tell you, the, the two guys who did this thing, they're just podcast dudes. It's a couple of guys that run a podcast who decided they wanted to do a convention, and they did it. And from what I saw, did a great job. They had pretty much everybody from The Walking Dead there. Uh, they had other horror greats there, uh, like Zach Galligan, uh, like Kane Hodder, like, oh my gosh, Danielle Harris. Holy cow. What what a what a nice looking lady, uh, very sweet, and I, I just wanted to pick her up and run out of there with her. Uh, and then of course artists like Jason Flowers and a bunch of other really nice people that I got to meet that the the con promoters reached out to and and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in doing this? Uh, you know, it, it's just really neat. I think the way they went about everything and it worked out really well. All of the artists were there in the room with the celebrities. Uh, one funny little story, uh, as you know, there were people in costume, not a lot though. It was one of those deals where there were few enough people in costume that I got stopped a lot to, to get my picture taken. Now, granted, I was in my full MCW like costume gear. So I look, you know, a little bit different than I do just wearing a suit or, or even a t-shirt or, or whatever. Uh, I, I was definitely uh, dressed up. So I got stopped for pictures and stuff. So there, there weren't, you know, that only happens when there aren't many costumes. So there, there were some costumes walking around and I was walking back towards the famous people area and there was a guy dressed up like the Harry Krishna zombie from Dawn of the Dead. I was like, holy shit, that guy looks amazing. That, what a, what a funny costume to have. And I stopped and I said, oh, that's, that's so great. You look awesome. Can I get a picture with you real quick? And he was like, oh, I'm, I'm going somewhere, but maybe when I get back to my table and then kept going and I turn around and it's actually the dude that played the Harry Krishna zombie in Dawn of the Dead. And I knew he was there. I just didn't expect him to be in his full getup. So that was funny. And also dude's really short, uh, which granted I'm six four. So a lot of people are short to me, but he was just really short. But it was a great con. I had a blast. There were lots of cool artists there, lots of cool uh, famous people there. It was just a good time. It was kind of low-key. It's not like there was a party scene at night uh, really much uh, to speak of. But it was just a good time, man. I, I Like I said, I highly recommend it. Uh, I know they're doing Atlanta and Chicago in 2014. Check them out. Uh, see what you think. Take a day and visit. You know, if, if you don't want to spend the whole weekend there, just take a day. I, I recommend Friday just because people are still at work and you've got better access. But at the same time, 
uh, on Friday, early in the morning, a lot of the famous people weren't there yet. Uh, your old stalwarts, like the horror, you know, traditional horror people, were all there at their tables the whole time. Uh, but the Walking Dead cast were, you know, it, it kind of depended on how important they were on the show as, as to when they were there, if you know what I mean. But still, fun time, uh, had a great couple of days, and we'll definitely do it again next year. But right now, it is time for your Needless Things podcast main event. Uh, <laughs> step into the ring with Andrew Lincoln and nine other media uh, people and see what happens. And I got to say, I, I had the best question. No doubt. The waking hour is at hand beneath the moon across the land. A bloodlust is in the air. Some rotted meets what you demand. Rising up from the grave, sexy undead zombie rave. All you nasty boys and girls, come on and feast on my decay. Maggots and worms, what you perspire, threat your flesh with a rusty wire. Been so fucked, let me give it new meaning. You never gone head to the next snaps cleanly. Don't judge me when I'm on a dead body, body. I like to get a bit Oh, hello. Yeah. There you go. Hello, sir. On the record, Yeah, very good. It's going better for you, though, apparently. Yeah. Should I do this? This one looks like a beam me up thing. It's a phaser or something. Yeah. What's next door? Is that? They're waiting. I think they're waiting for you. Yeah, they're waiting for your line. Okay, so um, we don't want to take any pictures during this. We're just going to try to make it really, really quick. And go by number. Um, any ground rules on the set? We obviously can't talk about any spoilers on the show. We can do one quick question. You can try. So if you can give you a one-word answer, yes, they're on. No follow-up. And that is it. Okay. first? And oh, yeah. Jonathan James. Okay, well, uh, yeah, thanks for being here with us. It's a pleasure. Um, you know, I mean, we talked before about the fact that you don't do too many convention appearances because you got a busy schedule. To do something for for the for the home side, really, and um, also my family have just flown back to England. Uh, I have a spare weekend. I, you know, when I'm not working, my weekends is, uh, are sacred. Um, and and also I, the podcasts are fantastic. I did some podcasts in between seasons. I loved having a direct uh, relationship with the fans and. And also, everybody else is here as well, and a lot of grateful undead. You know, there's a lot of people that have died, and it's quite nice to see everybody as well. So it just felt like the perfect storm, really. Um, yeah, we do the I, contractually. We do an East Coast and a West Coast, and but I just think it's very important that we um, we celebrate this city, 
um, because I think this city and this state is is integral to um, the success of the show for so many reasons. Can you all hear? Yeah, Thank you. be so far away. I didn't know it was going to be so loud. I know. We can tell. Jeff Blackman. Hey. One of, one of the best things, of course, I think you've done is you've after your wife died, and we wrote, we thought you deserved an issue for that. Is there something coming up about giving away a spoiler in this upcoming season where you have another moment like that where people are just going to go, wow? I, I, you have to. I, I'm not one of those actors that watches it, so um, I don't know. But there were, there were certainly there are some incredible emotional um, moments as always in this show and this season in particular. There's a lot of story. There's a lot of character development this season, and also I won't talk about myself so much, but I will talk about Melissa McBride, Emily Kinney, Norman Reedus, Stephen Yeun, Scott Wilson wait for Scott Wilson in, in, in the next couple of episodes and um, everybody is getting their chance to shine and we have an incredible ensemble of actors here um, I'm not one of these people that goes yeah I killed that scene you know and it's just not my style I, do, you know, I try and just give everything I've got every day and, and you know and do my best every take um, uh, losing someone as important as Laurie is, was on so many levels was very difficult um, but um, there are there is there's something I've just read we haven't shot it yet and I hope I don't I hope I get it right but um, there's something very very big uh, looming that makes me nervous and a, a nervous actor is always in my opinion a good actor you know because it means you care I think it was always it will always be the first Comic Con. It's uh, you know that was like we we're in the belly of the beast. It was one of the most wild and sort of extraordinary uh, uh, days of my life because you'd been working on this thing. I'd been so isolated in that first season, in those first three episodes. I mean, I was alone for the first two, and and we'd only shot that. Thank you very much, and. Um, and so it was sort of revealing it to the world. And certainly one of the most fervent, intelligent, and loyal fan bases we could ever wish for, if you get it right. So that was, that was for me when I heard there was a roar of kind of approval when sort of 30 seconds into the first showreel, uh, the first uh, trailer, people responded to it. And, um, and that was just... It was, it, I don't know if it was... Um, if it was joy, but I think it was more relief than anything else. Hey, Tara. Uh. <laughs> Tara, um, you um, I think it was at Comic-Con earlier this year, uh, you mentioned that every choice that Rick, or, or action that Rick takes or makes um, comes with a cost. So I was curious if there was one particular one that you felt was most detrimental or you know, at least had the biggest effect on his current decision to kind of step back in terms of leadership. You know, it's interesting because I think um, Sophia was a huge... It was, I spoke in between with the writers' room, between one and two, and I said he has to mess up profoundly badly. 
You know what I mean? If you play a hero, you've got to see a, a broken man. And, and I said that to Frank Darabont in, in the pilot when he arrives back at home and his family's not there and he thinks they're dead. You've got to see a man break because that's just that's a human being. But then you see the fortitude that happens. I, I speak about 12 Years a Slave. There's a beautiful moment in it that Chiwetel Ejiofor does during uh, a grave scene that is a very similar moment of in amongst the hell there's still hope you know and you see a man's strength um, I think Sophia was one of those terrible decisions she, he should never have left her he just shouldn't should never have left her and that that irrevocably changed him um, and, and, and caused that divide in the group between Shane the, prag- the pragmatic against the you know the humane or and um, but yeah, there is. I think that the shock and the after effect of Laurie's death certainly put him into a place where he was isolated for a lot of last season, and he, he dealing with his own grief and his own madness for one of a better. I mean, he was very, very distressed and disturbed, and I think that that made him loosen the reins on keeping an eye on Carl and Judith. And, and I think what you're going to see a lot more this season is a man taking responsibility for that above all else. Um, yes. uh, clearly, you are not from the American South, <laughs> but Rick, your portrayal of Rick is much more than just a learned accent. Uh, your your actions and, and just the way that you do things and think of people and the, the, the being humane that you spoke of just a minute ago. How did you to come to have such a good portrayal of a, a sort of southern gentleman, I guess. Uh, I, I, you know, I just do what's on the page, you know, and and hopefully bring as much. I can only bring myself to it, you know. There's, the, the, but there are things you heighten and things you lessen when you when you play a role, and I'm just very very fortunate that this is one of the great roles in my career that I've been offered, you know, and they keep writing incredible. Uh, character development. I mean, I, there is something about being around a crew that is from Atlanta. A lot of people from Atlanta. You get it, and shooting in Atlanta, as I said before, I think it's integral to the success of this show. The fact that we film it here, um, it informs your. You know, like when you learn a when you learn a, a, a different language or you attempt to, you kind of become a sponge, and that's sort of what my job is, really. And. Um, but I'm only doing what's on the page and just filling in and bringing my own take on that, I suppose. But thank you for saying that. I mean, I t- you know, I, I, I'm honoured that to even be asked from another country to, to 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 do such a seminal kind of role, you know, that is so American. I was. It's funny. I was talking to Gail and she was talking. We were listening. My my wife and we were in the car yesterday. And the kids were watching Pinocchio and we were listening to Pinocchio. And, and we were driving, and I just went, and it was so hopeful and naive and optimistic and wholesome. And she said, what's happened to the world? Why has it gone so... Everything's about sort of consuming and everything... De-. And I said, not in the South. The South still has that old... There's a respectability, and there's a, there's a... I've just been talking about it, respect between generations and a politeness and a formality that I think a lot of the world has lost. And I love being here because of those very things. And there's a courteousness. And I love the miss 
when you get called when my wife gets called miss so and so or sir you know there's a, there's there are certain things in place here that have been lost in a, in, in a lot of the rest of the world that I admire still so maybe just because I dig it that that, that that it helps you know thank you Mark Nice to meet you. Uh, it was announced earlier, panel earlier today. I think Eric said that uh, you were donating your uh, proceeds from the autographs to charity. Uh, I'd like to know what charity and how did you get involved with them. Um, I didn't really want to talk about charity. If that's all right, if you don't mind, uh, that's fine. just because it's a private. Can I get another question? Yeah, of course. Oh, Thank okay. you. Uh, well, the other thing is uh, we're, we're told not to ask about you know, spoilers and <laughs> so, who on the cast though is notorious for having loose lips? Uh, we had uh, Holden. Uh, Laura, she freely, Laurie Holden said something I think last season that, that nobody picked up on, and it was at a convention I think, and we all were just ripping it out of uh, Laurie for the rest. Of, just kind of, because she just lets. I think it was a death. I think it was somebody's death. You know, maybe it was last season or the season before. But we remember just, and it was on, it was taped, the whole thing, and she just, but it's hard, you know. The difficulty is with this is that we're way ahead of you guys already. And um, and we're desperate to tell you what, you just go wait. We, we keep saying just wait, just wait, because it plays out, you know. And But I think that, I don't think anybody's really done a big goof, you know, apart from me. I think I've said a goof, have I said something... No, I think, but that's probably one of the largely one of the reasons why I don't do these events so much because I can't stop myself from, you know, spoiling things. But no, you, it becomes a, like a diplomatic exercise. You become like a politician in this game because it's there's so much viral kind of information out there and it goes so quickly. You have to be very very careful. Um, but I, I'm desperate to tell you. I, I can't wait for you to, just to see this season. That's that's all. I just want to see how you respond to it because I, I think you're going to see some of the best performances from a lot of this cast that, than you've ever seen. You know, I really do. I saw tomorrow's episode in advance and I want to ask you about it but I can't so yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to um, but ah. I, know, well, you are on your third show runner Scott's you know, I wanted to just ask you what life has been like uh, how different has it been for the third season uh, fourth season excuse me it's been it's there's great continuity in our show the crew who were speaking of you know to the success of the show this crew I would say 85 90% of them have been on this show from the beginning uh, and I think that that is essential to just having a work environment that is so uh, focused and so relaxed and and they know the show. They know when we're hitting the show as performers because they, they've been looking through the camera lenses and they've been doing all of this for, for four years. So there's a lot of... Um, there's a great... As long as we have scripts, everything just runs in the show. It's a beast. And uh, I have to commend Tom Luce and Denise and all of these amazing producers that we have and in the incredible design team that work very, very quickly. It, it, they get scripts, you know, two weeks before we shoot and they have to build these beautiful sets. So what I will say is that it's been thrilling this season. I think the storytelling has been magnificent. I think that it's smart this season. I think it will... It will benefit from re-watching episodes because everything that is said is earned. 
or deserves to be there. Every single line from every single character plays out. And that has been extremely satisfying to, watch, to, to read as an actor, but to watch other people perform as well. So, um, yeah, I hope you like it. Thank you. Jason? Hi, Jason Bailey. I host the morning show here in town at 92.9 The Game, so feel free when you film me stop by. Thank you, Jason. Um, if you had 100% creative control of your character and maybe the storyline, up until now, is there anything that you would have changed? That's a great question. Um, uh, Maybe I would have loved to have um, had a bit more time with my wife. I just would have had, you know, some more. Sarah Wayne Callies is such a great actress, and I loved working with her so much. And um, I suppose I would have loved to maybe have more scenes. But the thing is, the beauty of what that in how that informed my character was that he sent me off into this crazy place that we arrived at and it was brutal and challenging and scary and so it's difficult in hindsight to kind of go oh if we change that you change it but then because it changes every other aspect I'm very very happy about who this guy is now and where he's at just because it's been a different experience this year playing a guy that's almost like he's holding himself back He's like a man in the traps. He's like he's holding, he's reining himself in. But um, that may not be for long. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. I could listen to that guy say Atlanta all day long. What a nice fella and... You know, it was just neat being in that room with those people. I totally forgot to mention, and I feel like a total jackass for it, uh, Tara Lynn, uh, who has written for NeedlessThingsSite.com, contributed some really fun stuff, was sitting right beside me. She was in the interview uh, room with me. She was there representing the ESO Network. Uh, I have decided, going forward, I will be representing nobody but Needless Things, uh, and now I'm still part of the ESO network. Don't be silly. Uh, but I, I want to get in on my own merits. I, I don't want to drop the, the needless things, uh, name every time. I, I want to get in on my own merits and be recognized for what I've done and what I bring to the table. Uh, I, I don't want to have to say ESO network. And so far it's worked. Uh, I, I definitely in talking to Michelle, uh, about things you know she she knows needless things and and she gets it now and uh I, i've got a very big announcement that i can't make quite yet stay tuned to the needless things podcast to needless things site.com and i'll let you in on it uh, that's it man uh, i i really 2013 has been amazing I can't believe I've done 15 of these. Uh, I wish I had been able to do a little bit more. In, in retrospect, I could have done more. And going into 2014, I'm going to do more. I already have plans in place uh, for a couple at the beginning of the year. And I'm really going to be on this thing. I, I want to have more content for you guys. I want the site to be better, which is something that I'm working on now. Uh, I want it all to be better. But... Uh, you know what? That's it. 2013, it's over. 
2014 begins, probably has begun, but uh, for me, it begins in just under 24 hours, and I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think there's a lot of good stuff that's going to happen. Uh, I, there's a lot of stuff I'm not going to be able to do because of my work schedule. I'm, I'm already missing several cons because there's just nothing I can do about it, but I'm going to look past that. I'm going to look at the things that I can do and make the most of those things. And also, uh, I'm going to work around that work schedule a little bit more than I did last year. There were times where uh, I let it get in the way and I'm not going to do that anymore because I really think big things can happen with needless things and, and for Phantom Troublemaker and for the Phantom Maniacs uh, you guys please keep in touch with me uh, Twitter Tumblr Facebook uh, everything no, no, forget I said Tumblr what the fuck is Tumblr I, I don't understand Tumblr I, I only recently found out that it's good for porn which uh, wow it is but eh whatever uh, remember, you can download the Needless Things podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. And just as a special treat right here at the end of the year, here's Les Sexoflex performing Procrastibate, which became the Needless Things podcast theme song. Thank you guys for letting me do that. I love you. I love all you Phantomaniacs. Happy New Year! Oh. What? Is this time for the song to begin? All right. I'm sorry. Ugh. I was too busy masturbating. Yum. I gotta call my mom. I think I'll masturbate. Gotta mow the lawn. I think I'll masturbate. Gotta go to work. I think I'll masturbate. Listen to the yuck. He makes me masturbate. Gotta shake my legs. While I masturbate. Gotta fry some eggs. Makes me masturbate. Gotta drive my car. Think I'll masturbate. I just wrecked my car. I think I'll masturbate. So many things to do and I'll do them later. Comes first, I'm a procrastivator. Procrastivate, procrastivate, procrastivator. It's masturbate and procrastinate. Procrastivator, procrastivate, procrastivate. Don't be a hater. It's masturbate and procrastinate. Procrastivator. Gotta wash my dog. I think I'll masturbate. Gotta catch a hog. I think I'll masturbate. Gotta jazzercise. I think I'll masturbate. Lotion up my thighs. Now I'll masturbate. Gotta feed my kids. I think I'll masturbate. I don't have no kids. Thank God I'll masturbate. Gotta pay my bills. Think I'll masturbate. Buy my grandma pills. Think I'll masturbate. Favorite activity decreases productivity. Laziness proclivity. Oops, I just came on me. Procrastivate, procrastivate. Procrastivator, it's masturbate and procrastinate. Procrastivator, procrastivate, procrastivate. Don't be a hater, it's masturbate and procrastinate. Procrastivator. Gotta write the song. I think I'll masturbate. You should sing along. While you masturbate. P-R-O-C-R-A. Let's masturbate, let's masturbate. Procrastivator, it's masturbate and procrastinate. Oh hi, oh hi, James Bader. Procrastivate, procrastivate. Don't be a hater, it's masturbate and procrastinate. And I'll do this later. Uh, you can send me feedback at phantomtroublemaker at yahoo.com or on Facebook at lphantasmus with a ph. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love you guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. Later, Phantom Man X. Good journey. I stole Good it. Good journey. Wait, get, well, I'll uh, re-record it and we'll tack it on the end. So, uh, 
that's it for right now. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and as always, we love you guys. Bo. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how long you were going. All right, one more time. And uh, that's about all we got for you right now. Uh, just remember stuff that I just said that I don't remember what it was now. Uh, just do your do your good journey bit. I'll tack it on. All right. Good journey! <laughs> awesome. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.